Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hello, I'm Kelvin Cheetle, Director of Capstix HR Advisory Service and a former President of HPMA. Today my guest for the first in our series of podcasts about the workforce of 2020 is Dean Royals. Dean is one of the country's leading workforce directors with a varied career in all parts of the NHS. Today we're going to be talking about the workforce of 2020, devolution, new models of care, the five-year forward view and how they help shape the NHS workforce of the next few years. Hello Dean and welcome, thanks very much for coming this morning. Thanks for inviting me, Calvin. Delighted to be here. Um, given the complexity of the current NHS agenda, can you give our audience your views on the workforce of 2020? Do you think it will be very different to that we have today? I mean, I always come from the perspective as a, as a HR person and that the workforce in, in five years' time or ten years' time will be in many ways the same as it is now in the sense that people are people. I think one of the big issues that we'll be facing in HR is, is managing that change uh, because uh, you've outlined some of the changes facing uh, us at the moment and uh, I suppose historically people would look at, a, at, at that sort of classic sort of change model where uh, uh, you know you sort of unfreeze people out of the way that they're working and introduce new um, methods and new processes and then refreeze people so they can do that uh, effectively and I, I just don't think those models work anymore uh, you know that was a time when we had you know change after change we now live in a time of perpetual unrest. So um, this time of perpetual unrest uh, means that HR have got to be very sophisticated about how we deal with those uh, changes and uh, how we introduce those different ways in which those people will work and, and those are going to be different. But I, I suspect they're going to be sort of more incremental change rather than big radical change over the time scale that we're, we're talking about over the next uh, four years or so. So can you give us perhaps by reference to what's happening in your own organisations, some examples about how that change is manifesting itself? Well I, I think one of the, um, the important ways in which local change is manifesting itself is I, I think there's a, a growing appreciation of the importance of staff engagement to achieve real and sustainable change. You know? So can you take uh, people on that journey uh, with you rather than uh, relying if you like on a, on a, on a top-down uh, approach because you know the direction may be set because we work in a political system but how we get there I think is going to be uh, you know increasingly disparate and of course there will be different solutions that um, that manifest themselves over that period of time so some of the things I'm, I'm sort of quite pleased that we're doing is that emphasis on uh, staff engagement and trying to use uh, things like social media and, and, and crowdsourcing we've used that to looking at things like equality and diversity we've engaged the public in those sorts of uh, methods uh, some of our directorates are the size of small hospitals, you know, the 100, 150 million turnover organisations with a with 1,000 or, or 1,500 staff. We're encouraging them to engage people, for example, in, uh, in our children's hospital about what they'd like to see and, uh, and, and develop and change and what the impact of those is going to be. So th that way of involving staff in our you know, clinical and, and service strategies, I think will stand us in good stead as we move forward in that that direction of more devolution, you know, five-year forward views, different models of provider care. Do you think the way to incentivise people in the future is much more through that engagement process 
rather than the old levers that we use, which were about money, rewards, benefits. I've never been a fan of things like uh, performance-related pay and using uh, you know money as a as a motivator. So um, you know, looking at other you know mechanisms about how the job is designed in the in the first place the extent to which we listen to them as an important part of our engagement uh, strategy that we that we have them working in good and and functional teams where they feel uh, valued and that they feel as though they've contributed to that vision for the organization and what it can uh, achieve and um, our job you know through HR is is to get people engaged in that compelling vision and it's difficult sometimes when you've got sort of industrial action and and politics and and, and people aren't trusting each other um, but part of our job in HR is to, is to you know, be in the midst of that and still try and give people hope for the future. How do you harness that positive energy that you're describing, which I'm sure is very real in your hospitals? It is, and um, you know, to, to some extent, um, I, I, I wish I could you know, put a, uh, you know, a causal link in terms of things that we do in our, in our staff survey results, for example. But like other people, you know, these are these are cultural changes that we've got to make, and you know, we, we do see some improvements through our uh, staff survey, and we want to see those, uh, you know, moving and, and progressing. Um, but but it's a cultural change that we're trying to uh, achieve, and I think some of that is about being consistent to our values, um, you know, and keep on doing the things that we want to do. And, and part of the difficulty in the NHS is, um, you know, you you can be a leadership team that wants to take a, an open and more transparent approach and, and talk about the importance of clinical leadership and empowering people and, and trying to get bottom-up solutions but you have you have a limited amount of time for that to work for you before you know external pressures sort of demand that you do something uh, different you know but we we want to stick with that and so the, the harnessing question is really uh, sort of important for us um, we want to do that through teams that there's learning in in teams and people feel empowered to do that and you know they hold each other to account but that respect for each other I think is is what comes out of uh, harnessing it when yeah. people over time seem that you're being consistent in your your approach and not just looking at you know what, what's what's the next issue that's raising itself and how do we do we change but people can you know look historically at what you've done and say you know that they, they've listened they've taken account of the things that are coming and we can see a you know a consistent approach that the organization's taking what you're describing does that kind of challenge the orthodoxy that we've had around agenda for change and the way that we plan and manage training in the future? Yeah, I, I don't know so much around, um, you know, terms and conditions of employment. And um, I, I think there's been a, a sort of interesting journey on those, hasn't there? So um, as we came out of, you know, the, the back end of the credit crunch in sort of 2008, 2009, you know, all the pressure on HR departments was, you know, how are you going to change the terms and conditions of of staff because that's where you're going to get your uh, your big savings from and uh, you've got some freedoms that you can do that and, and organizations should be uh, exercising them but we now you know a number of years on we've had a number of years of, of sort of pay freezes that have contributed significantly to the the savings that have been made uh, in the uh, NHS we've got recruitment problems in in uh, in many cases and um, you know so looking at terms conditions doesn't seem the right sort of thing to do if you're if you're facing recruitment problems uh, as well and um, to some extent it can be a bit of distraction I think we always need to keep uh, the terms conditions relevant and uh, and appropriate to the environment that we're we're in but I would much rather be spending my time in terms of looking at efficiency and productivity in the way that people work uh, the skill mix that we have 
you know, the, the, the way that we engage with, uh, with patients, you know, the, the, the extent to which we can get care in, you know, the right place in a more timely way. And that's where HR can make big differences about that job design, the way that people work, people feeling valued and engaged, people wanting to, you know, raise ideas and suggestions for doing that, uh, that better. I think one of the things that strikes me working across the patch with a whole variety of NHS organisations is the energy around new ways of working. Um, I'm sure every HR director believes they have one that's worthy of talking about. So can you tell us about one that's happened in your trust that you think is particularly different and has some value to add to the workforce agenda? If I was looking at uh, you know, sort of one particular area, uh, I think that the way that we're working with our bands one to four staff, that training and development support and increasing the, um, the, the way that those, those uh, um, uh, staff engage with patients, they work in teams, they feel supported and valued for what they do. I think if I was looking at the, you know, the big changes that we're trying to make is in that uh, space. Uh, and then we've got the, the similar sorts of things that other people have got about the way that we're using you know, technology to, um, you know, uh, in ward rounds, uh, we're looking at introducing, um, you know, technologies to do, you know, friends and family tests with, with patients. We're, we're looking at the different, you know, how we use ward clocks uh, on our wards to engage with patients when they know they're going to be discharged so we can get feedback in a more timely way from people. So some of those things are, you know, thinking about the way that we do things differently, um, you know, but, but at scale, trying to get them, um, you know, introduced and, and, and changing that sort of culture because that's where we, you know, we, we sort of get the engagement from staff that allows us then to, you know, take ideas from them about different ways in which we can, in which we can do things. Presumably the grow your own model that you're talking about has not only benefits in terms of your community links and profile, but it's the long-term solution to the recruitment and retention dilemma, isn't it? Uh, absolutely, and uh, you know, if I was looking at that longer-term sort of ambition, you know, is um, how do we get uh, you know a place like Leeds and Leeds Teaching Hospital as a place that people are wanting to come to because they know we're investing in their training and development, and they know they can develop their career in Leeds across that health and social care uh, sector. So, working with our other partners, with the local authority, with the community trust, with the mental health trust, with the universities, to be making Leeds an attractive proposition for your career. Mm -hmm is one of the ways that we can bring uh, people in and uh, encourage them to stay and develop their careers uh, in that way. You can no longer do these sorts of jobs by just being internally focused. You've got to engage with that wider uh, community. So we're, we're determined to, to work with those other stakeholders, but also get more and more into schools so they can see that there's a, a, a variety of different jobs that are available in the health and social care sector. So in this progressive new world, what's the biggest barrier to change and, and delivering this on a sustained basis, do you think? I mean, I think all of us in the NHS would say, um, you know, a little bit of uh, stability and consistency to allow us to sort of follow through on, um, you know, what it is that we're trying to uh, achieve. Um, and, uh, and often the political environment can change those priorities such that it becomes difficult to build up those trusting relationships within uh, organisations because you've got a, you know, a consistent thing that you're that you're trying to do. I, I think another area is, um, you know, it, it, the, the sort of demonisation of, of of healthcare managers. I think has been a, a problem. Um, most of the people I know in in managerial roles and, and and directors have spent their careers in the NHS. They are just as passionate about patient care as are our clinical colleagues. 
just as passionate about having an NHS that's free at the point of need and you know serving people on that basis as are our clinical colleagues and yet all too often uh, you know the portrayal of um, managers as looking at uh, you know sort of short-termism I, I think just doesn't help in that relationship we're trying to build up uh, locally and of course that that spills over into you know healthcare staff as well. Thank you for that. Dean it's been great to see you. Thank you very much for um, your time. It's been great to be here thank you. Thank you.